Every time I say um, my name is CJ Schrader, I, I do a thumbs up and point it back at myself. <laughs> I've seen this happen. Hello, welcome to JudgeCast. My name is CJ Schrader. This is episode number 141. And with me, as always, my two skulking co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hey, this is Jess. And Brian Prilliman. Hello, this is Brian Prilliman. <clears throat> Brian Prilliman. <laughs> Brian Prilliman. Is that hey. what skulking sounds like? Yeah. Hello, guys. I've oh. been behind you the whole time. <laughs> oh, man. So, what's that, uh... If only I were less powerful, I could have detected that. <laughs> no one gets the joke yet because they don't read the article. We read the article to them. But they will. All right, in this episode, we are going to cover the shadows over Innistrad. Is it multiple shadows? I don't know. I think it's supposed to be like the shadows. Like, we've got the whole thing with the bad angels now. I think the shadows are just the actual shadows of the angels. Like, light coming down, there's like wing shadows, and you're like, oh my god, a shadow. It's like that moment in Skyrim when you see a bird fly by, but you don't know it's a bird, and you're like, oh god, dragon! (laughs) Does that happen? Is that a thing? Yeah, oh, sure. it happens all the time because the 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 bird shadows, uh, like on the ground, are roughly the same shape as dragon shadows. And you don't know how far away they are. Huh. Anyway, sorry, I I digressed. <laughs> so basically, what I'm saying is, people think the angels are dragons. Yes, and that's that's why everybody's freaking out right now. And dragons, it is. dragons over Innistrad. Right. So so uh, shadows. So Ugin confirmed. Who can confirm? Yeah. Well, I mean, Jace is in here because why not? So, but Jace is in every story, isn't he? Like, I, he's not the main character of every story, but he's in every story. That was my complaint. It's like, can we have one mystery where Jace isn't there to solve it? Like, someone else can solve a mystery. Soren is there. He he's has the every reason. Character of of the multiverse. I know, he's, and I, and I don't get mad at Jace being in a lot of plots, but it's just like, come on. I wish he wasn't so insufferable. Sit this one out, buddy. Like, I flat out like. I realize so I read the I read the stories and the planeswalkers, they all just talk like I don't know, they 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 talk like people talk now on Facebook and I kind of expect like a fantasy setting for them to to not use words like dude and what's up and nope. you know I don't think spend, they use the word dude. No planeswalker said dude. Hold on, or don't what's up. there was an there was an issue on the magic website where Jace, no kidding, uh him and Gideon were having a, a contest and Gideon smashed a few brews against his forehead and they were playing beer pong. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. I mean yeah But he didn't say dude. Uh he might have said you know uh bro why do people even listen to this show so this episode we're going to talk about <laughs> the shadows over innerstrad mechanics um you know so we we kind of make a game time decision each set about whether or not to talk about the mechanics before the release notes are out because uh, we get the mechanics article and in this one we've decided the mechanics are either the complex ones or just returning mechanics so we feel comfortable talking about them and the new mechanics are not particularly complex so yeah, because it's it's one of the things like normally we don't as judges, you don't want to be wrong. And yes. and specifically when we have an episode where we go like, blah, 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 this is the way that works. And the rules article hits and it's they changed it. Yep, We've uh, done that a few times. Yeah. So For example, we're going to talk about double face cards and madness and both have changes. Um, 
Madness has particularly minor changes, but they both have changes, right? So right. But we so, already know that now. So so to to be clear, we are talking about this. What rules are going to look like after the Shadows of Innistrad pre-release? Not right now, three weeks before the cards come out. So right. if you listen to this and you're just like, oh well, they said it works like X Y Z, and yeah, it's going to be slightly different. All right, so let's start with double face cards, the returning mechanic that feels like it never went away. Because uh, it it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> but uh, I bet I bet we mentioned this in the Magic Origins episode. I was shocked to learn that we were not recording when Innistrad came out the first time. Um, I don't think you did say that, actually. Yeah, I, I agree with you, though. Uh, I really, I feel like, like, in my head, I guess because we've talked about double face cards a lot, because a lot of our emails during that time were for Innistrad. Um, so our, our, we started right about the time of lapsing triggers and Huntmaster of the Fells was already a thing. Yeah. And Innistrad was out. Yeah. Innistrad had been out. Like we were, so, we were, we were in AVR, I think. No, we were in, we were in, were we in AVR yet? I don't know if we were in AVR yet. We were right around Innistrad. I think, I think we were Ascension. Innistrad, Innistrad, or not Innistrad, uh, Abyssin Restored. Oh yeah. I forgot about that one. Um, he said AVR. He wasn't yeah. he wasn't just mispronouncing AVP talking about the aliens versus me, predator I, expansion. For, to me, AVR, I don't know. It meant something else. I don't even know what it meant. Uh it was code for a really bad set. <laughs> what? Well, I got a couple boxes in my closet if anyone wants to. Oh them, man, so. that draft set was so like it, the draft format was just really bad. <laughs> I know. So, right. so I, hold the, on, hold on. I gotta oh. tell no, no, held no, no, on no. enough. Okay. Oh, no, do it. Do it. No, there was a there was an event that uh, that, uh Jeff Williams was uh, TO for uh, one of the GPs, and he made like a a, a, a boo boo ordering product and stuff like that. So when it came time to comp the judges out, he's just like he's like ah, uh, I'm running kind of low on on Avacyn Restored. You can take your comp in Innistrad or Dark Ascension instead. <laughs> and the judges were like, like, ew, we want the new stuff. Really? Yeah. And now that's funny. And now here it is, years and years later, we're just like, what? What were you thinking? <laughs> Can you just, why would you? You could have taken your like, comp in Innistrad boxes. Like, the fact that nobody wanted to draft that set was actually part of the reason Bonfire of the Dam was so expensive, because not enough packs had been opened. Hmm. I thought it was just because it was like a third standalone set that was kind of like a, a it was a standalone thing. Well, I no, guess I mean, it was a standalone thing, but it was a large set, just like a first that, set. Yeah, that would make it more than. So never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. Hmm. Okay, so let's talk about Shadows of Innistrad, though. Avacyn's in here. What? What? Yeah, we're back. The set's so nice. They did it again. It's been four years, five years, something like that. Okay, double face cards. So the whole point of that that whole sidebar there was that we have actually not gone in depth into double face cards. Um, and this time we're not going to go like super, super deep. We don't need to talk about like oh, all the intricacies of double face cards are surprisingly intuitive. They actually are. They, they, and... they everybody freaked out when when they first announced double face cards. I remember uh they, they announced uh, the first one they showed was that like that that two two that transforms into a three three or whatever it's and like it, a bat yeah and, and it was uh and they were like i think it was the werewolf might have been the bat anyway the, the the point is everybody was like oh my god it's the end of magic and 
It's not. It's really intuitive. People, new players really get it. Um, yeah. It's so, it, it really becomes complicated when you start looking for like copy, like trying to force certain copy effects to go in a certain way. Right. And or the <laughs> the we're drafting and I want to sit and wait to see if the guy across from me takes the double face card before I pass my packs too. Right. The, those are those are the those right there are the super duper corner cases that everyone seems to obsess over. Yeah. So let's give the rundown of double face cards. Um <clears throat> and there are a couple changes and we'll discuss those at the end. We'll call them out specifically. Um but they they actually aren't generally relevant at, at like the pre-release level they wouldn't be relevant at legacy level they are relevant all right so double face card so a double face card is a card with two faces what so they have a front face and a back face i'm not allowed to call them a day side or a night side or jess will get on my case i will i was just like if brian calls them flip cards one more time he's off the show what <laughs> yep <laughs> We've Jess and I talked about it. It's true. We did. So each face of a double face card has its own complete characteristics. Okay. So it has its own name, type, colors, mana cost. Um, the backside of a, of a double face card doesn't have a mana cost. That is the mana cost it has is no mana cost. Um, and in all zones except the battlefield, when you're wanting to know the char- characteristics of the double face card, you are just going to look at the front face of the card. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, there, there is a there is the commander exception uh, for determining color identity. You can that's, look at the what? No, that's fair. Am I jumping ahead? Is no, that, no, that's no. That, that's a good point. I I actually almost forgotten about it. Um, yeah, the color identity of a card, not the color, but the color identity is both faces together. Right. So just basically that means that if you've got a a, a double face card that is say green on one side but green and black on the other side. Um, you can't play it in a mono green deck, uh, in D- in commander. In commander, yep. yep. So that's that's all that means. Yep. And then cloning double face cards is actually not too complex. Uh, when you clone a double face card, your clone's gonna look like whatever the face you cloned at that moment was, because that was yep. the characteristics of the card. And it can never transform because the card, the physical card that you have, or the token in some cases, uh, only has one face. Right. So, so if the yeah if the phys- if the physical card has a a magic card back or the token that you're using has a has an advertisement for uh, Duel of the Planeswalkers, you can't transform. All right. Um, so let's talk about transforming. So transforming is so any any double face card is going to have some kind of ability on the front face that will let you transform it to the back face. Otherwise, what's the point? And so transforming is the act of taking that card. I will use this word once and only once. Flipping it flip, over. Flip it over. <laughs> and then uh, now it is transformed. Um, transform is not it's not status of the card, right? Something can't say destroy all transformed creatures. Uh, however, I, me personally, I'm going to use the term transformed a lot throughout as we talk. When I say transformed, I mean it is showing its back face. Right. Right. But there's... Uh, it actually doesn't mean anything to be transformed because the game doesn't recognize that as a real thing. Uh, you know, just, that's why something on its back face can be transformed back to its front face. Yeah. So, so when you talk about like it's it's not a status. That's it's 
there is an action that's very similar that is a status change. Like if you were to take a normal card and flip it over. Oh, uh, so you flip it. You flip it over morph cards. So so transform cards uh, can't be face down. There is an exception. Um, and morph cards can't be transformed. You know, they're they're kind of mutually exclusive. The right. the one exception is uh, double face cards can be put face down from the library. Yes, or they, they can be manifested. manifested. They can manifested. be manifested. If you want to jump back to the the fate reforged mechanic, yes. So uh, so on the battlefield, you cannot turn a double face card face down. But you can you can put it onto the battlefield face down as the result of the manifest mechanic, right? And then if it and then, and then when it is turned face up through either like a break open or paying its manifest cost or whatever, um, it's its front face that is up. Yeah, yeah. So the only thing that's going to interact with a transform card, so a double face card, is something that says the word transform. Nothing else will do it. All right. Um, so if you if if you transform a card, then basically the characteristics of that card just shift to whatever the other card is. Um, so an example card here is Elusive Tormentor, which is in the new set. It has one mana, discard a card, transform Elusive Tormentor. Oh, well, that's weird. Who wants to discard cards? And if you that's madness. That's, madness. that's mad- <laughs> jeez, got me. Both got there. <laughs> uh, and if you if you um, do that, discard the card, and transform it. You get Insidious Mist, which is a blue creature. Um, creature Elemental. Has Hexproof Indestructible, can't block and can't be blocked, and it has an ability of whenever Insidious Mist attacks and isn't blocked, you may pay two and a black if you do transform it. So this one can actually swap back and forth. There are many transform cards that cannot go back without some kind of trick. Um, so the point here is the transform object, when you transform it, is the exact same object. Uh, just the characteristics are different now. So if it had any arrows on it, they stay on. If it had any counters on it, they stay on. Um, if it was targeted by something, if it was in combat, it continues to be in combat. So don't let don't let the new planeswalkers confuse you where they exile themselves and then come back. That's so that they can have loyalty counters, but it's not necessary for most permanents. So it's not leaving the battlefield or anything like that. It's just transformed now. It's very similar to turning face up, really. Yeah, it's it's also the the exiling is as they did a rules change for the transform cards that we'll talk about in just a second that they they probably also in part tried to solve with the exiling of the origin planeswalkers mm-hmm. uh, that they they just solved that problem uh, by exiling them because they could have just changed a rule that says, hey, when it comes in from from exile or when it comes in, when it transforms, put the counters on it. Yeah. Yeah, they could have just, I mean, it could have just been the text, like, transform Jace and put five loyalty counters on him, right? That could have been it. Oh, man, I see where you're going with that. And, oh, man, I see the way that you could stack loyalty like crazy. Well, just be sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So they solved so they solved the problem by by exiling it. We'll 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 talk about that. We'll talk about that later. We're talking about a loophole that is about to be plugged, basically. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're all good. We're all good. And that's a. Sorry, we'll get to it. Spoilers. <laughs> so yeah, so the real issues. That's I mean, that's basically double face cards. I, I like you guys said. I think people get them. Yeah, and um, we did. We did an episode on copy effects where we where we spent probably about ten to fifteen minutes talking about copy effects and transform cards. So 
it, that's still all accurate and good and current. It is. That episode is still legit. Um, so let's talk about double face cards in tournaments, though, because that's where any of the headaches come to. But I'm, honestly, at this point, it's kind of solved. Like, we're used to it now. So even this doesn't bother me very much anymore. Okay. So double face cards, like we talked about, they have no magic back, right? They have a werewolf on the back or whatever they have on the back. All double face cards have a werewolf on the back. All double face cards. <laughs> if you have to look for it sometimes. Oh, man. It, it is. And they also have a moon. Yeah. All double and a carrot. It is a carrot in the art. You got to look for it. Yes, but it's in there. It's in um, there. <laughs> so if you're playing a double face card in your deck, you need to do one of two things. One, put the card in opaque sleeves. Really so, opaque. Not, yeah. not, I think they're opaque. But like you got to check. Yeah. Yep. And and a, a a simple way to check is you put the card in the sleeve and then you kind of just pull it out and push it back in a little bit and if you can see something moving on the back of the sleeve through the sleeve it's not opaque enough. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So you can also ask a judge to help you. So this is still a game loss. You know, we don't have any left, but if you are not using opaque sleeves in a tournament and you have a double face card in there and it's competitive REO, that is actually still game loss because that's the mark cards upgrade. So it's it is. Yes, you are. You have mark cards. You can. There is a pattern because I can tell my double face cards are different from all my other cards. Right. Uh. So the other alternative, say you're in Legacy and you just don't, I'm sorry, not like uh, Limited and you just don't believe in sleeves, is you can use a checklist card. So I think we're probably familiar with these from the uh, Magic Origins Planeswalkers, but a mm-hmm. uh, checklist card has like a checklist on the front and a regular magic back on the back so that you can actually put it in your deck. Uh, you need to physically check off what uh, card you are using on the card. Uh, I would recommend using a Sharpie, not like a pin, so you don't push through. Right. And, and leave it marked but you do need to actually mark the card you can't just be like well i only drafted one um who's one in city is missed yeah one in one elusive tormentor one elusive tormentor so can't i just use the one checklist no you need to actually check it off <clears throat> uh, uh, so so it, it, one of the cool things about this set is that unlike any previous set there are going to be two different checklist cards yeah uh, one for rares and mythic rares and one for commons and uncommons. And I really like that because that means, A, they're probably going to have more double face cards in this set than they had in the original Innistrad. Mm-hmm. And B, it also means that the cards that are most likely to be constructed playable are going to have uh, double face are going to have checklist cards that are much easier to read. Yeah. Now, regardless of that, um, no, the judge does not have extra checklist cards for you. <laughs> this conversation. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping so in Origins I noticed if you open the Planeswalker, you would always get a checklist card. And I'm wondering if they've solved that, some kind of printing issue I, that way. Uh, that is not a thing. Yeah, I didn't that think was, that was definitely was... not a thing. What really? Yeah. So it was just coincidence every time I saw it? Uh it was it was it yeah. was coincidence every time you saw it. Yeah, it was hmm. it was something like uh one out of every three packs had a checklist card or something like that. Oh, okay. Like it was a really high percentage, but like all was, right. There were definitely times you could open the, the double face card without the checklist card. I know okay. this because of the t- number of times I ran mini masters at GPs and had players go, what do I do with this double face card hmm. in my mini masters deck? Okay. Well, I was and, wrong. I was hoping because I knew that was an actual printing issue in Innistrad. Like they, they just cannot print it in such a way where that, that specific checklist card is with double face cards. And oh, it wow. looks like that. It, is still- that is 
it is possible that they did fix it. And what I was seeing was errors in that printing that were just exacerbated no, by the fact that we were doing I mean, so many packs. You would have seen far more packs open than I did. I I surely only saw two to three. No, that's that's a good opened. question. What did you do for Mini Masters then? Oh, you just told them to ask the people near them if they had a double face card because it was far more likely someone had a double face card than someone had a planeswalker. Oh, a double face card checklist, you mean? Checklist. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah. Ask if they had the checklist card. It was like somebody around them is going to have the checklist card, and if they don't have a planeswalker, they don't care. Yeah. Like, so, you know, it's not really a problem. Well, I mean, I mean, some people are like, oh, that checklist card's 50 cents. I'm holding on to it. But yeah, the I guess the thing that I care about the most is we judges don't have them. Yes, we don't have them. We don't have them. Don't, don't ask. ask. All right. So you have the checklist card. You put it in your deck. What do you do with the double face card? Uh, you set it aside. Okay. Uh, for the entirety of the game, it must remain available. Okay. Uh, it needs to be in no sleeve or a different sleeve from the way that your deck is sleeved. If your deck is not sleeved, it should be in a sleeve. <laughs> okay. So I draw the d- double face card. I, I cast it. What happens then? Actually, it doesn't need to be in a sleeve. Your deck isn't sleeved. That was wrong. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you, you cast it. Uh, so there's... I'm going to give you the two answers, CJ. That there's the rules answer, and then there's reality. <laughs> uh, and, and I hate that we have this, but sometimes with rules we have this. In this case, uh, anytime a checklist card is in a public zone, whether that zone is the stack, the battlefield, exile, or the graveyard... Uh, anytime it's in any of those zones, it needs to be replaced with the double-faced card that it represents. And then the checklist card will replace that double-faced card whenever it moves back into a hidden zone or goes face down for some reason, uh, such as face down exile, I guess, if it got that way. Um, now, that's not what really happens, and that's not how people actually play Magic. What actually ends up happening is players will say, I have this checklist card, and then they'll wait and see if it resolves. So it's on the stack and it's just a checklist card. It, then it goes into play and they don't replace it. They just set the double face card on top of it. And then when it dies, they put the checklist card in the graveyard and set the double face card aside again. As long as the players are clear about what is happening right now, I am not going to stop them. Yeah. Now, right now, there's a, a neat little thing. So so this actually happened at my PPTQ this weekend. Uh, the player... Uh, had their checklist card down. They had their uh, their Nissa on top of it. Uh, the Nissa died. Okay, it and knows. they put and they put the card and or, or rather it didn't. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, the previous game, uh, the previous match rather. At the end of it, the Nissa was still on the battlefield, and they just scooped everything up. Okay, so then next game, uh, which was next match. Uh, the guy shuffle, 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 shuffled, and presented his deck to his opponent, which now had 61 cards in it. And uh, one of them, presumably, in a different sleeve. Yeah, it, it's really funny because I kind of fussed on it because the different sleeve, uh, he was playing, it wasn't that he was playing different sleeves, he was playing uh, transparent sleeves. So you, you could see the back of the the card very, very clearly. And I, oh, I was interesting. Just, and when I fanned out the back of the cards, because see-through sleeves in itself is kind of a weird thing. But when I fanned out the cards themselves, about 15 cards down, there's a, there's a double-faced planeswalker. 
uh, I'm staring at the back of uh, I'm staring at the back of a planeswalker. Um, but so when I'm doing the the deck check, I find out he's got he's got two checklist cards for Nissa in his deck. He has one Nissa with his sideboard and one Nissa actual physical card in his deck. So in that particular case, what do you do there? So was he using different colored sleeves for the Nissa or not? Uh, they were not different colored sleeves, but they were uh, trans. Uh, they were completely uh, transparent sleeves, like clear ultra pros, for example. Yeah, clear ultra pros. So like it's readily apparent from both sides that yes. this is a double face card. Yes. Um, so there, there is no way that that could be in a basically in a deck and have its back be hidden. Um, right. So specifically um, in the MTR, uh, there is a rule uh, that says if you use any checklist cards in your deck, then you your entire every double face card has to be represented by a checklist. So that means you can't mix and match. So like I've got four checklists of this uh, of like if I'm if I'm running a deck with four Nisses and four Jaces I can't have four Nissa checklists and then four actual Jaces in my deck uh, and the MTR specifically says for the purposes of deck checks and stuff like that if you do use any checklist cards um, then any actual double face cards in your deck are considered or treated the same as we would uh, if we found a token in your deck. They're considered to not exist. For They're considered, yeah, right. Right. So in that particular case, if I have four Nissa checklists and four actual Jaces, well, you just presented a 56-card deck because those Jaces don't count. Yeah. So in this particular case, the guy presented, while there was, 50, while there was 61 physical objects in his deck he actually presented a 60 card deck because that nissa didn't count and that's why the rule is there the rule is there so when you have your checklist card and your nissa sitting on top of it and you scoop it up at the end of the game you know you have not made your deck illegal right exactly that so, is that is why the rule is there. It may seem it may seem stupid, and it's like, oh, that's not right. That's not fair. You know, if, to have them mix and match. It's there to protect you. So another question is: Jace is really expensive, and theoretically, I can never have more than two Jaces out at the same time, right? One creature form, one planeswalker oh, oh, form. Oh, sure. So and the checklist so, cards are really cheap. So and planeswalker, yeah. So can I just have four Jace checklists in my deck, and just help physically have two of the Jace cards in oh, my? That seems fine. No, you definitely cannot do that. <laughs> I saw I saw somebody try to run this with the uh, the original Planeswalker double face card, which was Garrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this this small group of people were each playing a deck that played four Garricks, but they didn't have uh, that many Garricks. But they did have four between the four of them, huh. so each of them had one. <laughs> and uh, I had to explain how that that doesn't that doesn't work, guys. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning for the judges out there that you you do not proxy a checklist card. If they don't have a checklist card and they can't get a checklist card, then they need to buy opaque sleeves. Like, right. That is not something we can proxy. Uh, I guess unless they already had a checklist card and it was damaged in the tournament. But right. It's, it's not our same, job. Same rules as everything else. Yes. Same rules as any other proxy. Okay. But yeah, ultimately it's just treated like another card. 
Okay, and so in drafts, uh, these double face cards can get a little weird because when you open the pack, it's very obvious that there is a double face card in there. Um, I don't know if like a universal system was ever set up. I know what Star City Games was doing during Innistrad was they would have everyone have, say, 30 seconds maybe to where you open up the pack and everyone just holds up their double face card so that everyone knows, hey, there's that double face card. Yeah. This was generally consistent. Okay. Most places. Okay. And then... While you're drafting, you can make you you make no effort to hide what you're actually drafting. So if you draft a double face card, you should if you're, when you're drafting, you should have a little pile of cards in front of you, and those are the cards you've picked. When you draft your double face card, you take it and you put it right on top of that pile. You can't really hide the fact that you're drafting that double face card. Yep. Yep. So you can't put it underneath the pile. You can't you know put it underneath your packs of cards. Whatever you need to put it right there on top, just like. That's now, the only real quirk. Now let's let's just touch on the 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 one corner case that people ask so okay. so 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 much, which is I don't want to make my pick till I see if the guy next to me takes that double face card. Yeah, how you handle that? Now at at uh, day two of day two of GPS or something like that, you're dealing with a timed draft, so you best be doing that when before time is called. Right uh, at your local F and M. Uh, you got a few. You got a few options. Um, one, the 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 cleanest is, guys, come on. <laughs> uh, on three, one, two, three, go. <laughs> and then they keep staring at each other, and you're like, no, really. Um, I think I heard, and this this was I I saw this in print, but it was back when Innistrad was in, so they might be changing it. It was. If you're doing zone drafting and they won't pick, then it's something like the the two seats when you go around in in a circle, like you know they're going to be closest to each other. Well, why don't before we start talking about that and, and sending people down a rabbit hole, why don't we find out what that is and, and say it on the next episode? All right, all right. Uh, rather fair. than rather than say, well, we think it might be this, and that's and fair. Be unclear. In reality, just players make your picks. Three, two, one. We're done yeah. with we're done with this silliness, and and that should work at uh, at the F and M level. That should work at the PPTQ level, and if it has to be done at the RPTQ level, I plan on doing that also. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about some changes to double face cards. So everything we've said before is correct. We're not changing anything we just said. But there are a few changes coming to double face cards um, with with uh, shadows, shadows over in a strat. Okay, so the first one. So I, I said earlier that the backside of a double face card has no mana cost, which is true. Which means it has no color. Okay, <laughs> so color indicators. That, <laughs> well, color indicators were kind of created for double face cards. Yeah. Um, so that's how they that's how they get their colors through the color indicator. Uh, so what used to be true is that the backside of a double face card, because it had no mana cost, had no converted mana cost, so therefore it was zero. That is no longer true. Now, if something in the game asks for the converted mana cost of the backside of a double face card, it will get the number of the converted mana cost of the front side. Yeah. So let's let's talk let's talk real briefly just to remind everybody what a converted mana cost is. So if a card, if the front side of the card is one in a blue. Mm-hmm. The converted mana cost uh, when you, and you flip it over, the converted mana cost is two. 
It's not one in a blue or anything like that. A convert the converted mana cost is just a number. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a combination of colors or anything like that. That's the that's the converted part of the converted mana cost. So yeah. So so any any of that stuff. And if somehow you have like a card that's got X in it, well X is zero. Right. Form card with hex in it. Um yeah, so I can't stress enough to, to, to understand the difference here between a mana cost and a converted mana cost. So an example is Abrupt Decay, which destroys target non-land permanent with converted mana cost three or less. Could not destroy a Ravager of the Fells now, because a Ravager of the Fells costs two green-red. Uh, well, Huntmaster of the Fells costs two green-red. That's the front side of Ravager of the Fells. So now, well, as of Shadows of Innistrad release, Abrupt Decay can no longer destroy that. Same way, uh, Ratchet Bomb which destroys all some things with converted mana costs X, which X is the number of counters on Ratchet Bomb. Uh, it can no longer kill face down. I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It can no longer kill transformed creatures or creatures showing their, their backside. Did you almost say, did you want to say flipped? No, I, I almost said face down, but it's totally different. Oh, oh. Ratchet Bomb for zero does kill face down creatures because they continue to have no mana costs and therefore no converted mana costs. Um, on the flip side, if you have a double face card that is showing its back face, <laughs> it provides no devotion, right? Because devotion looks at the mana costs of cards, and your double face cards have no mana cost. Right. Right. All right. So there's one little quirk with this, though, and that is if you copy the backside of a double face card, the converted mana cost of the copy is zero, which you know, it seems a little weird, but it's because that clone has no other face to reference. Right, it has no right. front face. It has no front face. So you're not it has copying no... the characteristics of its front face. You're only copying characteristics of its back face. Right, and converted mana cost is just a conversion of the mana cost most of the time. So that's that is not a copyable characteristic. Mana cost is, and so the fact that it has no mana cost is copied, and so. The clone converted mana cost will be zero. Right. All right. Someone grab this next one. All right. Uh, okay. So if something is entering the battlefield transformed uh, and can't it and it can't transform because it isn't a, a double face card, then it's going to stay where it is. Uh, so uh, an example of this is if clone. Our, our favorite copier is yes. is copying Jace, uh, Vryn's Prodigy, and there's 10 cards in the graveyard. Uh, the clone clone Jace is tapped to loot and is exiled. It's not going to come back because it doesn't have a double face card. Now, what was – do you guys remember uh, back when um, – uh, Innistrad and, and Phyrexia were in play, there was there was the – there was that – copy creature that was like one uh for like one in a blue that would copy uh yeah phantasmal image uh yeah and uh so they'd use that and then they would use that with like some transform cards uh like that that dude or this was an interaction that came up it would it would copy that guy that when he died he entered the battlefield transformed yeah that so they, that so they would cathar. Get, yeah so the cathar so they'd get the so they'd copy the cathar the copy would die, and it would come back, and it would get to copy something else. Yeah, Loyal Cathar. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, you can't do that anymore. Right. So Loyal Cathar says, when Loyal Cathar dies, return to the battlefield transformer under your, under your control at the beginning of the next instep. So 
same thing. You clone this, the clone dies, the clone's going to go to the graveyard. Um, the trigger's going to be like, return to the battlefield, transform. And it's like, oh, I can't because I can't transform it. Stays in the graveyard. Who's loyal now? <laughs> All right. Just do you understand the third change? Uh, I can talk about you, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I totally okay. understand the third change. I just wanted to make sure I was t- looking. I was counting. I was like, one, two. <laughs> um, so uh, if a double face card has an ability, whether that ability is triggered or uh, an activated ability um, that would transform it, uh, and that ability is is triggered or activated more than once before the first one resolves, it will only transform once. Uh, what this means is like, uh, say, for example, um, uh, Archangel, I haven't seen. Yeah, well, I, I was actually just going to make one up. If, if I had something oh. that said, it said, tap this, it would have a little tap symbol, and the, that was the cost, and the effect was transform this permanent. Oh, oh, uh, uh, the, it. the scholar. No, uh, it the, doesn't do that. Um, Jekyll and Hyde guy? Yeah, it doesn't do that. Um, I mean, it kind of does that, but... Not exactly. I guess you could, yeah. So if I tapped it and then I responded by um, untapping it and tapping it, again. untapping it and tapping it again, yeah. uh, it would only transform once. It would not transform twice. Right. This used to be possible with Ludovic's test subject if you had uh, twelve mana. <laughs> yeah, you could activate it another time. You could activate it twelve times, right? To transform it to the thirteen thirteen and then transform it back. But now it is no longer possible. So, so Avicen. So this kind of opened up design space for them, which is why Avacyn and, and Thing in the Ice exist now. Because Avacyn has a triggered ability among all her other abilities, which says, when an, oh, she has flash. When, she says, when a non-angel creature you control dies, transform Archangel Avacyn at the beginning of the next upkeep. So like, if you know you had three other creatures and they all died, that's really awkward that she would, under old rules, she would transform, three transform, times. transform. Yeah, that's really weird. Um, right. So they just wouldn't have been able to design cards like this. And this is kind of what we were hinting at earlier with uh, like Liliana and stuff like that. One of the one of the reasons why they exile is it says whenever a non-token creature you dies. Now, just imagine if it was whenever another non-token creature you control dies, transform Liliana. You know, three creatures die, you'd flip her. Uh, so, oh, oh, you turn her over, turn her oh, over, yeah. turn her over. I don't want to be kicked off this show. <laughs> so, so you you think players take a long time to do math now to figure things out? Just imagine if you had to figure out like, okay, how many times is uh is Avison gonna is gonna transform? Okay, I got a one, two, three, four. Carry the two, yeah. <laughs> you know. And then yeah. and then someone else and then someone else uh uh you know kills one of your creatures with the trigger on the stack and you're like no <laughs> I mean that yeah. would be the strategy like you just wait for it to be triggered and then you do something to trigger it again yeah. right like part of the, I mean part of the point here is Avacyn's other face we're not going to talk about it but it kills creatures so she can kind of start to go infinite with herself not necessarily infinite but she can trigger herself to transform again she could have. If but she does was, not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This avoids that problem. It could be in a weird, weird loop. All right. Uh, yeah. Thing in the ice. Similar thing. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, remove an ice counter from thing in the ice. Then it, if it has no ice counters on it, transform it. Obviously, it enters the battlefield for ice counters. Um, but same thing. Say you cast an instant or sorcery and you maintain priority for something and cast an instant. Uh, you would have two triggers on the stack and it's not going to transform twice. 
All right. All right. Delirium. Delirium. Ellie Golding's most recent album. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is this is <laughs> I did not know that. I learned something today. It's very good. I love it. You know, I really think that they reached a threshold with these weird ability words. I get what you're um, saying. <laughs> okay. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so delirium is an ability word. Uh, so it does not have any delirium itself does not have any rules meaning other than to group uh, flavorfully group uh, cards together so that you have an ability to talk about um, what it means is uh, the it. It's a card with delirium will do something <laughs> uh, if you if you have uh, four or more card types among the cards in your graveyard. Um, so we should all be used to uh, counting the card types in graveyards in general because Tarmogoyf is a thing. Yep. Um, you know, those card types are artifact, creature, enchantment, instant land, planeswalker, sorcery. In tribal. And tribal. <laughs> in, tri- in tribal. And tribal. Uh, yeah, begrudgingly, except that the tribal is still a, a, a thing. Uh, basic, no. Snow, no. Uh, uh, homunculus, no. I really hope that, that one of these is modern playable so that people start playing Tarfire again. Tarfire. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so to learn more about types... We have an episode on it called an atypical episode. Uh, so wow. that's the one where he got typecast with the bad puns. Uh, the number, the number of cards in your graveyard don't doesn't matter. It's the types. So if you have if you have four creatures in your graveyard, great. You have satisfied one. You you have one type in your graveyard. Right. Uh, but if you had, for example, uh, an uh, artifact creature you have to and uh a land land tribal uh, yeah and a tribal tribal. instance uh you've got four and only two cards yeah so so let's talk this this card that they that they put in the reaper of flight moon silver i really dislike that name cj what say you flavor judge that's fine what's the problem Reaper of Flight Moonsilver? She's part of Flight Moonsilver. Yeah, it actually makes sense. Reaper. Oh, oh, Flight, of like... Flight Moonsilver, yeah. It's okay. a thing. Okay. Are, are you saying she is reaping Flight Moonsilver? Is that, was, is that your understanding? Yeah, I wasn't thinking of it as like a flight as in like, the you know, her squadron. Oh, yeah, all the angels on Innistrad are organized into flights. Even I know that. Yeah. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> Dude. It's all right. <laughs> Dude, as Gideon told Jace, dude, <laughs> right before he crushed the beer can, his forehead. <laughs> they, they, they were drinking bro. out of cans. Come yeah, at me, bro. All right. So. So, yeah. So delirium, when I made the, the comment about threshold, it's actually very, very similar to to threshold in the fact that it's it's an ability or a, an activated ability or a trigger or maybe even spells will behave slightly differently if you have this particular case here. Right. So it's what he's saying is it's similar to a mechanic from 15 years ago. <laughs> hey, that would be a great segue into madness if it was next. But um, yeah, so yeah, they, just, bring, bring, they bring them back. Let's just read a couple of abilities just so people got it. So like sacrifice. So Reaper Flight Moonsilver has Delirium. Sacrifice another creature. Reaper Flight Moonsilver gets plus two plus one till end of turn. Well, you're like, well, what the heck's that? Delirium. Here we go. 
Activate this ability only if there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard. Oh, that's what made it delirium. <laughs> As another example, Soul Swallower, which does not sound very filling. Delirium. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard, put three plus one plus one counters on Soul Swallower. So intervening if, but, yeah. you know, that's a totally different kind of ability. And then there could be spells, right? We'll probably get the one mana, two damage, but tap, delirium, deal tap, three damage. Or like tap tap a creature, delirium, exile it instead. <laughs> okay. If you delirium, it doesn't untap during its control of the next untap. Right, something like that. Designing is hard. <laughs> That's all you do. Well, I mean, I just took a card that, that existed and replaced Metalcraft with delirium. <laughs> yeah, that works too. <laughs> yeah. All right. There you go. Rosewater, I'm coming for you. <laughs> uh yeah jess you want to tell us about investigate i sure <laughs> i know it's weird so basically if you've played arkham horror <laughs> yes those little clue tokens you need to bring those to the pre-release <laughs> i have not played this game but i imagine we're going to start seeing these clue tokens there, a bit more. there are little round clue tokens that they're just magnifying glasses. Yeah. Uh, I I intend to make little bow ties instead. Oh, I'm just, just going to bring little blue prop paw prints, man. No, I'm I'm bringing I'm bringing bow ties, and they're going to be my clues tokens. Oh, clues. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. But tell us about investigate. Okay, so uh, investigate is a, is a is a so some cards will say to investigate uh that means you put a colorless clue artifact token onto the battlefield uh this artifact has pay two mana sacrifice this artifact draw a card so um basically if you invest mana into them you can turn clues into extra cards um i don't know what the flavor of that is exactly but i guess it works um so anyway so it's a token but it's not like a token creature it's just a token so the 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 name and type are the same because it's a token so in this case it'll be clue and it's uh, the name will be clue and its type and subtitle will be artifact dash clue um do you guys do you guys remember uh guild from born of the gods no. no. Okay. So guild guild oh, was the car. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, they put the gold, to- gold the token, artifa- the artifact, the yeah. artifact gold token onto the battlefield. Yeah, they they basically made guild uh, a mechanic. So guild was uh, a sorcery three B exile target. Cre- I thought it was a commander card. Uh, it wasn't commander twenty fifteen also, but it was uh, start- yeah. one of the gods. Uh, put a colorless artifact token named gold onto the battlefield. It has. Sacrifice this artifact, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Um, so this is pretty much if you're if you're familiar with with you know Born of the Gods or Commander 2015, this works more or less the same way. More or less. Yeah. More it also less. helps you get Metalcraft. Yeah. For your uh, whatever that card was that lets you exile a creature if you have Metalcraft. Yes, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one. The one that it I... actually does help you get better craft. That's, that's, a, that's a good point. It might be relevant at some point. Um, so here's another thing, though. Um, the thing about clues is that yes, you can pay two sacrifice and draw a card, but there are a number of other cards that uh, that will interact with them and do things with clues uh, in the set. So 
other cards will care about the fact that you have clue tokens. It's not just this weird way to pay to a draw card later. Do you, do you know that? Yeah, they've spoiled cards that care about clues. Oh, I haven't seen those. Like, I, I assume they'll all care in different ways, but... That's interesting. Um, yeah, the, one of the ones they recently spoiled that cared about clues. So. By the way, I was, I was curious what the artifact subtypes were, because I was like, we don't actually have many. Um, so here they are. Contraption, equipment, <laughs> fortification, and now clues. But you said it was a gold token, or is it a token named gold? It's a token named gold. Oh, cute. So now, yeah, <laughs> so this will be our fourth artifact type. Because because uh, Tayback in his article did say this is a new type, and you know the fact that you're putting a clue token out means the name and the type are the same thing. And they and they've often said that they're not going to create a new subtype unless you have some some reason, some reference to it. So yeah. this is this is going to be a thing. Which is why we got an artifact named Gold versus a Gold artifact. Right, right. right. So uh, so we're still waiting for our contraptions. Yes, one day. One day our contraption will come. It's not going to happen. No, it's going to happen. Not going to happen. Look, it's going to happen uh, right before they do away with the reserved list. I uh, it's, yeah. it's it's the canary in the coal mine. It would be madness for that to happen. Speaking of madness. Oh, hey. Ooh. OK, <laughs> uh, so yeah, madness is an old ability from Onslaught. Uh, no, it's from Tempest. Is it? Oh, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. Odyssey. Sorry, Obviously. I get I get them confused all the time because they're the exact same thing. Um, the books were. Oh, you mean you mean they were all garbage? No, they're okay, but I mean they come right after Apocalypse. It's like how do you follow that up? Like you just killed almost every major character, and Yawgmoth invaded Dominaria, and here's this little island no one cared about. Yay! Basically. <laughs> um, all right, so madness is an ability on some cards. It's an alternate cost. Okay, it's a it has a few meanings. So madness means that if you discard the card with Magnus, instead of discarding it, you exile it. Yep. And that causes a trigger to trigger. Um, Assuming they don't change the rules, it still counts as being discarded. Yes. Uh, It it counts as awkward. It counts as being discarded, but it's not in your graveyard, which is going to really wreck Jace. It's going to be very strange. I think I think the rules are you're discarding to exile. Is yes, the wording yes. that they use. Yeah, yeah. So you're still discarding. So if Megrim is out, someone will lose two life. Um, Pretty much, yes. That's, that's exactly what that. mattered when I last played with Madness. <laughs> so if you discard it, you discard it straight to exile, okay? And there's no choice there. That's that's actually the change. Right. Madness, now, that's, actu- that's actually, that is a change. Yeah. Because you used, it used to be May. Yeah. But I don't think most people were even aware of that. So... You discard a straight to exile, and a trigger triggers. The trigger, as it resolves, will allow you to cast the card for its madness cost. Yep. Uh, if you choose not to cast the card for its madness costs, so these cards are written like madness, black mana symbol. You know, that's the madness cost. It's it's like many other alternate casting costs. Um, if you choose to cast it for its madness cost, well, then you cast it. But if you choose not to, the card's going to go to your graveyard. Okay? So... Uh, things to note is since the trigger is letting you cast it as the trigger resolves, the, it can ignore timing su- uh, restrictions. So if you have a way to discard a card on your opponent's turn, you could potentially have a surprise blocker. If you discard a Basking Root Wallet or a creature with 
I was Madness. hoping you were going to bring up Basking Ruwala. <laughs> I love that guy. He's my favorite card. Well, it's I not actually. It's my favorite card with Madness, for sure. I love that guy, though. He's he just right with Wild Mongrel. He's <laughs> yes. amazing. Very, he's very adorable. He is. You'd be like, I'm going to discard my Basking Ruwala, and then I'm going to discard this Wonder, and then I have this giant flying Wild Mongrel. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter why you discard the card at all. It could be a cost for that that card we mentioned earlier to transform it. Uh, it could be someone else doing mind rot on you and forcing you to discard the card. It could be that you have too many cards in your hand at the end of turn. Does not matter. What if I just, like, want to discard some cards? No. You can't discard cards whenever you want. Uh, but what, if I, I, what if I have an elusive tormentor? Yes. Well, yeah, well we, we you pay one mana, yes. Yep. Yeah, but the point where I, mean, I guess I was getting at was that you can't just choose to discard. There has to be an effect telling you to discard, yes. but it doesn't matter what the effect is. Yeah, and if Odyssey was any indication, they're going to give you ways to discard cards. Lots of ways to discard. I mean, we've already seen quite a few. Yep. So they're supporting it. Well, and they already exist in the, in the current set as well. There are a lot of cards that, that care about discarding. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit of the awkwardness with Jace Friends Prodigy. So Jace transforms when you have five cards in your graveyard. Is that right? Yeah, but it's not a trigger. Right. So Jace has this active ability that says tap, uh, discard, uh, draw a card, then discard a card. And then if you have five or more cards in your graveyard, you transform Jace. Okay. Um, so but it's all it's all one ability. It's all yep. one big ability. So say you have four cards in your graveyard and you tap Jace. And you're like, I'm going to discard this Basket Root Walla because, because CJ didn't look up many cards in the current set. <laughs> All right, so you discard it straight to exile, and then it triggers, but the trigger's not going to go on the stack yet, right? Because we're still resolving the Jace uh, activated ability. So you're going to draw a card, discard a card, you just discard and put it straight in exile. You're going to finish resolving Jace's ability, and Jace's ability is going to see four cards in the graveyard. Then... It'll finish resolving, and then we'll have the trigger on the stack, and then we can start resolving the trigger if, uh, you know, no one has any responses. And then you're going to continue the madness part. So even if you choose not to cast it for madness, and it goes to your graveyard, Jace is not going to get to transform in that situation. What? So. That's that's horrible. This thing that I didn't know that I could do with Jace uh, uh, <laughs> Now I can't ago, do it. Now I can't do it? This is awful. Yeah. <laughs> Says all of Reddit. <laughs> so let's uh let's let's talk about competitive a little bit for a second here what about what about competitive right. so let's say uh we're at competitive rel and a player you know i don't know has to discard a card sure. and they don't put the card in exile they just put it straight in the graveyard what will we do so like are they putting it in the graveyard and then they're saying i'm going to cast this for its madness cost like what do we, what do we do? no let's just say they just completely missed the fact that it had madness oh oh wow uh, I know. I'm just kind of springing it on you guys. No, that's a good question. And uh, so that would be, a, as far as I can tell right now, uh, that would be a game rule violation mm. because they did not exile it when they were supposed to have. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of players are going to think that that is a mistrigger. Yes, exactly. Um, however, uh, actually, no, no, it's not a game rule violation. I'm dumb. That's not a game rule violation. You, uh -huh. you... Like, we have no indication that you didn't exile it and just choose not to cast it. Yeah. Like, it would be totally reasonable to say, I'm going to discard this card that I can't pay for and not have to go through right. the motions of right. saying, I'm going to exile this, and then there's this trigger. Right. Like, 90, 99 times out of 100, no one's going to say anything because it 
because really the only time it matters is if the opponent wants to respond to the madness trigger before you have the opportunity to cast it and you just telegraph the fact that you weren't going to cast it. Right. Yeah. So so I would not issue any kind of infraction there. I would would say if they asked that that it was very clear that uh, they chose not to cast it. Now, if they're on the other hand saying I'm going to discard this card, they put it in the graveyard, and they go and I'll cast it for its madness cost, and then they move it from the graveyard to the battlefield. I'm probably fine with that. Yeah, I'm going to be fine with that. I mean, that's clearly you know not correct, but whatever. That's interesting. That's that's an interesting way you came down on that though. Because they, I mean, they did commit a GRV. You're just saying, eh, you shortcutted. It's it's probably going to end up being something along the lines of like where we have the tournament shortcut of uh, not scrying really means I I scryed and just left it there. Uh huh. Okay. It's I mean, I mean I'm I'm hypothesizing, but. I mean, I don't think it's completely unrealistic of if you discard a card with madness, uh, you know, your shortcut is you're announcing I'm discarding it to exile and then choosing not to cast it upon resolution of my trigger. All right. Well, that's interesting. Let's see. I guess we'll see if we get any policy around that or if it's even. I look forward to it. Yes. All right. Well, I mean, that's everything with madness. So. Um, so madness can get crazy with the cleanup step, but I just don't want to. It can, but that's really more a discussion of the cleanup step than it is it, a discussion. It, I of agree. Madness. I agree, hundred percent. See, the trick with madness is it can it can have it can make something happen in a cleanup step, which is pretty not super difficult, but it is difficult. So, all right, skulk, skulk. All right, so skulk is a keyword. Uh, that means, uh, the creature it's, it's on, uh, can't be blocked by creatures with a greater power. Uh, Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah. So that means if it's, if it's power is one, uh, it can't be blocked, uh, can't be blocked by creatures with a power greater than one. Oh. Oh. So all those one fives, uh, are going to either kill something or maybe <laughs> those one fives are just going to bounce off of each other for forever. <laughs> I tie with my one five. Well, I block with my one five. <laughs> Ping. One uh, fives for days. <laughs> right. Right. But it means that your one five can probably sneak past all those uh, thought not seers and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, you know, so we should mention that. Um, because Thought Not Seer has them look at the hand and exile one. Is that right? Uh, Thought Not Seer does let them look at the hand and exile one card, yes. Yeah, that's not discarding. I've seen that question a lot. That is that is true. It is absolutely yeah. not discarding. If, if, the card, if the card is making the opponent discard a card, it will say discard a card. So if it says exile, just because it came from the hand and went to the graveyard or went to the exile zone... Yeah. Yeah, that is and not discarding. And in this particular format, uh, with processors and stuff like that, you know, putting the card in exile is is significant. But yeah. Okay, but back to skulk. Skulk. Uh, so that's really all it is. Uh, so uh, this is determined when uh, blockers are declared. So this is a uh, effectively a blocking restriction. Um, so. 
Oh, I like how I like how your one three creature became a uh, a fraction, a one third creature, uh, one third. Yes. So a blocking one third skulk. Well, these uh, skulks they don't seem like you know impressive so, creatures, like, right? So if I if I attack with a a one three with skulk, and I block with a one one scion, uh, and then giant growth after blockers are declared, okay, that's a legal block. Uh, and then I giant growth that scion. Uh, that scion is not going to suddenly like unblock the skulker. Uh, right. This is only yeah. This is only checked when you actually do the blocking. Right. Right. Now, if you giant growth the scion and then block, well, you're going to have a bad day. <laughs> you're going to have a bad time. You're going to have a bad time. So what's what's the flavor here? Are they are they like the bigger creatures just grossed out? No, it's, the no, no, no. It's, these guys are sneaky. Yeah, these guys they 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 sneak around, and if you're not down in the in the in the the low end with them, you can't find them. So a one power creature is just more aware of their surroundings. It's they're 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 you know I think it's that you're not sneaking them. past them. You're not sneaking past the things that are the same power as you. You're only sneaking past the things that are bigger. I, I kind of get I kind of get like how a one one can sneak past a hill giant, right? It makes sense. Yeah, skulk skulk is a is a is a word, man. Uh, come on, man. You, you read Harry Potter; they use it to describe like Snape and stuff like that. He's skulking around, or I, yeah, I'm aware it's a word. So I think, like uh, flavor wise, it's just like um, the things with skulk are probably going to be things that that you would expect to be sneaking around, right? Like, but they don't sneak away from each other; they sneak away from stuff that's likely to kill them. Yeah. Dark Confidant would totally have Skulk if he was made in Shadows of Innistrad. <laughs> yeah, All right. he's a skulker. Hey, let's move into some news. We have a new level three. Well, this happened a little bit ago, and either we already mentioned it and I forgot we mentioned it, or we forgot to mention it. Either way, here it is again. Uh, or for the first time, is uh, John Erickson of Finland. So congratulations to John Erickson of Finland. We also have a new level four, so... Rick, Ricky's reign as the newest level four is already over. His reign of terror is over. Yes. <laughs> uh, and that is Matteo Caligari. Yay. Yay. So Matteo, it's, 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 I've worked with him a few times and yeah. he's, I mean, obviously he made level four, but I mean, he's, he's, he's <laughs> a really good guy. He's a good judge. Yeah. It generally sounds like four and you're like, they make some ah, movies. they're terrible. Oh man. Yeah. Who's that guy? all right well if you want to contact us you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on twitter twitter.com slash judgecast uh those emails still getting through uh we're in january but (laughs) we're getting there getting caught up i think you see you said our 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 rate is either we respond we either respond in an hour or two months later two to three months yes absolutely so but we will respond eventually. Unless you ask like a really long question, then maybe not. Yeah, if it's got like one of the Nephilims, you're kind of. Yeah, if it's got a Nephilim, you're out. You're out. Uh, <laughs> hive mind, I'm not answering. I've, I've made my policy on that clear. No, possibility, possibility storm, storm has no possibility of being answered. Artifact one. Um, uh, I don't remember <laughs> the name of it. <laughs> has no possibility of being answered. <laughs> That's good. All right, anyone have anything else they want to add? Uh, I don't. Okay, cool. 
All right. Thanks, guys, for being on. My name is CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlin. I keep it flipped. Oh, Lauren's fussing at my use of language. <laughs> she's, she's telling Nicolette he does not have permission to say bad words. I, I give you permission. Deeper. Well, okay, hold on. Just just gave me permission to say bad words. Yeah, he did. He just gave. You're the queen of everybody. No, no. Well, crap. Because I don't think Jess is going to be able to win an argument with Nicolette. <laughs> Because Nicolette's agreeing with Lauren. <laughs>